Hey, uh, I have something for the, uh, for the joy bucket, um, and you guys should be joyful too, because you should be joyful they don't turn my microphone on while I'm singing, one, and two, you should be joyful that I didn't have to lead you all in worship, that my granddaughter, Alana, she held off one more week, so anyways, y'all be praying, water breaks, babies drop, all that stuff, you want this week right now, or whenever, you're good, just not... Like, all right, so when does she have to come so you can, like, lead worship next Sunday? Oh, tomorrow she drops Keone off. So here, no, it's a, whenever, God knows her birthday, but I praise God they're here today and um, everything's going well. So that is awesome. Hey, I uh, do want to definitely welcome you guys that are all on Facebook Live and later who watch this on our YouTube channel, and we're grateful you're there. Um, understand that my, um, my mother-in-law is actually watching. Now I'm more nervous than any of you guys ever. She's never probably seen this. She's had long conversations with me on the phone. She's like, yeah, uh -huh, uh -huh. but she's never heard how long I preach and all that, right, Terry? So, but anyways, my mother-in-law is watching today, so I'm pretty excited about that. She's with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and uh, anyways in Nebraska. Pray for, pray for her healing. She uh, um, needs her leg to be healed and some different things, so be praying for her. Her name I, I bet no one has ever heard this name before, but her name is Elnora. Anybody know anybody named Elnora? So Elnora, Grandma, there's nobody that has heard of that. So you are going to be the only Elnora. When Elnora comes in your mind, pray for Elnora, all right? How many of y'all would commit to doing that? All right, good, good, right on. All right, very cool. Hey, um, man, Linda was at a ball tournament this week, kind of making some extra money to pay off my hospital bill from the kidney stones and all that, but... Uh, that's a whole nother story there, but uh, man, while she was gone, dude, I found this stuff, man. Anybody ever have, anybody ever find this? It's uh, Breakstone Sour Cream. Dude, this is sour cream. Only got a little bit left right now, and it's been kind of sitting in a hot car in here, but man, I was so impressed with sour cream. Have any of y'all ever been impressed with sour cream? Or have, have you ever, Selma, ever been impressed with sour cream? Do you, do you like it for anything? No? Is there anybody here that just loves sour cream? Yeah, dude, I was impressed. I couldn't believe how awesome it was. And I, I, I you know, like, I'm going to share something with you guys that my wife's going to hear for the very first time. I only have the courage to share it with you guys here to protect me. But man, I was so impressed with sour cream that I made a major investment this week in sour cream. Um, I, I tried to hawk our cars. The pawn shops didn't want our cars. They said too many miles, honey. And the roofs leaked, so they didn't want that. But I, I took the deed to our house. And I went to the bank and I said, I want to buy sour cream. I'm like, well, that's not collateral or whatever. But I, I said, I want to put my house up against the loan. I want to take out a loan so I can buy all the sour cream that all the Walmarts have. I'm not buying it from Target or any of them other stores. Dude, I want Walmart sour cream, man. I'm not even buying Aldi's, dude. I said, I want to be able to buy all the sour cream that Walmart has in stock in the Tri-County area. And I put our house, I took our house and I, I literally put it up against this loan. So, so because this sour cream is that important, I put our house up again, which is, is halfway at least being paid for and took out a loan so I could buy all the sour cream that the Tri-County area had. I mean, how many cases you think I got? And, and I, so I, you haven't been in the back room yet, have you, where the kids store all their stuff? It's loaded with sour cream. I know it's not refrigerated. All right, but we, ha we have, you know, uh, hurricane shutters up still, so it it's nice and cool in there, but I've only had it for about five or six days unrefrigerated, but I have literally cases all the way up to the ceiling of sour cream, and it was that valuable to me that I would, I would buy the sour cream and put my house at stake. I made the investment in sour cream. Man, how many of y'all want me to be your investor? <laughs> how many of y'all think, what a stupid investment? I hope he really didn't do that. How many of y'all think I really did do that? <laughs> Come on, put your hand up. You <laughs> There's some of you there thinking, yeah, he probably would do that. But literally, how, how foolish would that be to buy all the sour cream the Tri-County area has and use my house as collateral against it, hoping I can pay the loan off later? Why is that a bad investment? Why is investing in sour cream a bad investment? Because what? It goes bad. In other words, why would you buy, put all your money, all your resources in something that's going to spoil? 
It's not going to last as long as your house. It's not going to last very long. And in fact, in a week, you're going to, uh, most of the sour cream you bought is going to be rotten and moldy and gone. And you're not even going to get to use it. You're not even going to get to enjoy it. How foolish to invest something like your house that you've raised your kids in, that you have paid all that you've been faithful in making payments and God has helped you with, and there's more fun to be had in that house. And how foolish to risk it all and invest in something that's going to spoil. How many of y'all think it was a bad investment? Nate, you think it's a bad investment? How many of y'all here, I just want to see your intelligence level, how many of you say there is no way I would invest in sour cream at the expense of my house? Yeah. How many of you say that is a horrible investment? Yeah. But you see, this investment is not nearly as horrible as the investment most human beings make in the things of this world. Man, most human beings, many human beings, especially ones that aren't believers and even believers, make huge investments in this world. And Jesus said, it's, it's going to spoil faster than sour cream. It's going to be less valuable than the sour cream. And he said, in fact, there is nothing in this world worth losing your soul over. If you're so into whatever it is you're doing and whatever your priorities are, man, he said, he said, dude, if it's not me, it's worse than sour cream. It's less valuable than this. And so as we look in James chapter 5, this is the illustration God gave me at 5 this morning. So if any of y'all were praying at 5 this morning, God gave me this little sour cream illustration here. I didn't, by the way. Honey, there's no sour cream in the back room. All right. You know I was lying anyways, right? All right. Some of these folks didn't. But anyways, <laughs> but man, 5 o'clock this morning, he, he gave me this illustration. He gave me a title in this message that at one thought that I don't want you to forget, man, one thought I want you to have, and that is... Don't invest in things with expiration dates. Listen, don't invest in stuff with expiration dates. And, and hear me out in this whole thing, because anything you invest in in this world, it is not for the cause of Christ. It is not to bring him glory. It's not what he gave you the resources to invest in. It's got an expiration date. Jason, when is all the stuff you've invested in not for Christ? When is the expiration date? When does it expire? Yeah, well, the stuff you've invested in for Christ, never. But the stuff that's not for Christ, when does it expire? How about when you expire? Whenever you die, man, that's the expiration date. You know, even if you build a pyramid, even if you had a, a, a U-Haul behind your, behind your hearse, it doesn't matter. It's not going with you. There's an expiration date. He says, invest in eternity. And so again, if you don't remember anything from this mess, you go to sleep right now and nobody elbows you and wakes you up or I call on you and you're like, what, what, uh, you know, like I do call on you guys, right? So don't go to sleep. But I want you guys to remember, don't invest in anything with an expiration date. And everything, if you invest in sour cream and it has an, an expiration date, make sure it's because God called you to buy the sour cream make sure it's because he's invite you're inviting us all over for tacos or no he, he's got some reason for you to use it every single thing that he has given us he has given us as a resource to use for his glory and when we start james chapter 5 he starts out and he's bashing the rich people and 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 i want to uh, it's not some kind of class war because let me ask you a question how many of you know that you are filthy rich compared to somebody else in the world right now. And if you don't know it, raise your hand because you are. Al, you're all over the world? Are, is anybody in here filthy rich compared to people in some of the places in Haiti where we know and other places in the world? Yeah, you are filthy rich. How many of you know that you are dirt poor compared to people in the world? <laughs> yeah. We like to focus on that one a little bit more, but so in this, you can identify with the filthy rich and you can identify with the dirt poor. And so you let the Holy Spirit help you identify where you need to identify in this message here at the beginning of James chapter five. And so let's go ahead and let's take a look. We're in James chapter five, starting verse one. I've been waiting for over a month to preach this message. I've had four or five different outlines, four or five different times I wanted to preach this as we preach through the book. And today I want you to know the Holy Spirit of God. Yesterday morning, he confirmed it, said, this is what you're preaching. And this morning gave me that illustration and gave me that thought that I want you to have. And don't invest in stuff with what? 
Anything you invest in has got to be for the glory of God. It's got to be because he gave you the resource and wants you to do it for him. Even if you get it wrong, man, that's got to be your intention. That's got to be your heart. Don't ever invest in stuff with expiration date. Because when you buy some sour cream, because God called you to buy some sour cream. Hey, Bree, has God ever called you to buy sour cream? Have you ever asked him to? Say, God, and I'm just saying, hey, you want me to buy some sour cream? Oh, yeah. Hey, I want you to have a bunch of people over talk. If God calls you to buy sour cream and it's for his glory, Bree, is there going to be an expiration date or is there going to be eternal value in that? Eternal value. You're not used to answering stuff in church, right? Am I, oh, good, good. All right. So anything that he calls you to do, man, if you do it for him, there's no expiration date. Not. Right, Clinton? No expiration date. And that's what he's about right there. So I want you to remember Christ's righteousness. And I'm not, this is no, not a political statement, okay? It, Trump actually is a word other than a name, okay? Uh, my, my parents used to play cards all the time. Oh, that ace trumps that king. And, you know, Trump means it, it, it's better than something else. So Christ's righteousness trumps anyone's riches. Anyone's riches. The righteousness of Christ trumps anybody's riches. George Soros's riches. Anybody's riches. It's better, Christ's righteousness is better than any of that, and you're going to see that today. So because Christ's righteousness is so valuable and is so much better than anyone's riches, don't ever sell your soul, man. Don't invest in the stuff with expiration dates. Take what God gives you. Figure out what he wants you to do with it and do it, and it has no expiration date. Zane putting on a broken fan blade or replacing a broken fan blade on my air conditioner. If you came up, that I bought, or if you bring it over, and, and if you're doing it just because you got to get it done, there's an expiration date. But if you're doing it because you love me and you love Jesus, which is I know why you did it, I saw your spirit that day, there's no expiration date on that. Anything we do for his glory, and, and because he's directed us to do that, man. Dude, take me out and let me shoot a hog, man. If you're doing that because you're tired of me, like, just calling, hey, when are we going to go hunting, man? When are we going to go hunting? No, but you're doing that because you want to do something good because God's like, man, pastor could sure use a, a, a way to shoot his gun. <laughs> could sure could use some meat in his freezer. Man, that's God's glory. There's no expiration date on that stuff. It can be anything from fixing a fan blade to shooting a hog to going out on a boat to whatever. Anything God's called us to do. So Christ's righteousness always trumps anyone's riches. Don't sell your soul for the world's riches. Don't sell your soul trying to get more riches. God will provide you everything you need to do what he's called you to do. So don't invest in stuff with what? Expiration, Expiration dates. We've got to move on here. I haven't even got to the message yet, right? Terry's got that look on his face like, all right. So, all right, so listen, anyone's riches will let you down anyone's riches will let you down that's what he's starting he, he's here with he's james is going to address the rich people in the in jerusalem where he's at the rich people who were part of his church now there's nothing wrong with being rich again i told you man every one of you are filthy rich to compare to somebody who lives somewhere else every one of you are dirt poor to compared to other people so figure out where you identify what he's talking about are people that are using their riches for the wrong thing and maybe you don't know what the right thing is. Maybe that's why God's brought you here today. But anyone's riches, and I said that because it's not just my riches. How many of you have ever compromised your integrity or did something you didn't feel comfortable doing because if you didn't do that, you weren't going to get the benefit of somebody else's riches? How many of you ever compromised? Be honest. I would gather to say not a single one of you, including myself, are innocent. Dude, don't do, if I, if I, God, if I do this, I'm going to lose my job. If I do this, it's, oh, man, if I do, I'm going to tell you what, the lines are going to get drawn more and more as time goes on. And it's time for the church to trust God. You ain't going to lose your job unless God's got a better one or he's got another one. Or he doesn't want you working. He's got something else to do. Nicaragua, dude, they're having revival, Pastor Clinton. You know what they were doing in Nicaragua when we went? Where's Tom? Man, Tom, we were in Nicaragua and... And we're looking at, they're praying early in the morning for people that can share the gospel. Then they go out and share the gospel. And people are getting saved and baptized. Then they're praying at 10, praying at 11, going back out sharing the gospel again at noon. And then they're praying some more. <laughs> All day they're praying and sharing the gospel. How come we ain't doing that? Because we have jobs. <laughs> I'm just saying. It was like, 
<laughs> you're like, God, I wish I could do that. Well, you can. Quit your job. I'm just saying. But don't do that if God's not telling you to do it. it it's just it's amazing. We look at things and we say, wow, if this happened, this would be bad. Instead of what is God doing? And what does God want me to do with what he's doing right now? Man, I'm laid up in the hospital. I'm laid up in bed. I can't move. I can't do anything. Well, what can you do? Man, how about you can pray for people? How about you can lift people up to the throne when before you didn't have time to? I'm just saying God's in control of everything. And so, again, anyone's riches are going to let you down. You ever have to compromise your Christianity, compromise your Christian character to gain some riches. Is that right or is it wrong? It is wrong all the time. Have the faith to have the guts to step up and do it. I've listened to some of you. I know many of your lives. We're a family here. You can't hide it. Driftwood, I always tell you, man, if, if we don't scare you off, welcome to the family. Because, you know, I'm going to preach on half the stuff that I've experienced with you, right? Except what goes on the boat stays on the boat. Unless I preach on it, right? But, um, but literally, man, I know your stories. I know so many of you in here that I can look around. And it's not for your glory. You know it's for God's. Where you got it. Where God has shown you you're what he's given you and what you're doing. I wish I could call some of you out right now, but some of you don't want me to. And don't worry, I'm not going to. Because you're like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't tell that story again. You know, only if it's Vicky's story, because she doesn't care. She'll, she'll tell it. Right. But literally, I know so many of you that have taken that. And you said, man, it looks like if I, if I do what I'm supposed to do, it's all going to be bad. But you did what God wanted you to do. And your story is, I have no idea how this is still working, but it is. And that's in itself is a miracle. Keep doing it. The world needs to see that. Anybody's riches that you have to suck up for, that you have to do something wrong for, that you have to compromise your integrity for, those riches are going to be gone. They're going to fly away. They're not going to last because somebody's going to suck up better than you. Somebody's going to compromise more than you. And God's not going to honor that. He's going to honor your integrity. And he wants to do things so supernatural that only he can get blamed for it. Amen? He wants to put you in a predicament where you have no option, where it looks like nothing can happen except you following him so that when something happens, everybody looks and says, wow, Ryan, how did that go down? And Ryan, what are you going to tell him? How did that happen, Ryan? What are you going to tell him? God did it. He wants the glory. He wants to do things so supernatural that only he can get blamed. You have the guts to ride it out and not compromise your integrity. Or, or are you in the world where I have to, I have to suck up, I have to compromise, I have to, to be able to get someone else's riches so I can have those riches. Oh, but I'm going to tithe off of them. You know what, what I think of when I, think, when I hear that from people? You know, a lot of times I hear... I think of an illustration like, yeah, dude, we're going to go sell heroin and we're going to sell crack. We're going to make a little crack stand right at the entrance of the beach at the surf ghetto. As everybody comes in, man, we'll have a little heroin stand, crack stand. We'll sell some watermelons so the cops don't know what we're doing. Oh, no, no, I just told them they know. But, but you know, we're going to have all that. And we're going to sell all these illegal drugs. And the money we make off of that, we're going to give to the church. Jack, what do you think God thinks about that? It's not going to work. He doesn't want that sacrifice. He says obedience is what he wants over sacrifice. It's no different if you do it in a legal job and you're justifying, oh, I got to do this, 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 this. It's no different. If you're compromising your Christian integrity, you've blown why you're here. You got one purpose why he didn't take you to heaven when you got saved, and that is to represent him. And I got to get to the scripture, don't I, Terry? All right, and that's what he's over there for. He's not even doing anything, man. I just look at him and I know what's going on inside because we're like two wings of the same bird. A little lopsided, but, <laughs> but we weigh the same. We're just proportionally different. All right, so anyone's riches will let you down. Listen to what James says. He comes at them hard. So again, if, this, if, if, the, if you're feeling conviction from this, it is not me. I love you. So does James. I'm going to tell you the truth, but it's the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about to people who are lost, that think they're saved, but they've invested their whole life into riches. They've invested into this world and not the next. He says, come now, you rich. That's how he's saying it. Come on. <laughs> you got, he said, come on. Let's get real. Come on. Let's think about this. You rich. He said, right now, weep and howl. 
hell for your miseries that are coming on you. And again, I put in parentheses here in my own little commentary. That's if you haven't used it right. He's not saying because you're rich that you're in trouble. Okay, that's not what he's saying. He's just saying these are people who have invested their entire life to be rich. Everything they've done was to climb a ladder. Everything they've done was to put themselves in a position to be able to do what they want to do. When in reality, God saved you. And whose life, who did you give your life to when he saved you? Hey, Jolty, who'd you give your life to when he saved you? You gave it to him, so who does it belong to? And who doesn't it belong to? Who, who else? Yeah. You, it doesn't belong to you anymore if you gave it away. It might, your wife may have some of it still, but <laughs> how many of y'all have? No, we're not going there. But, but yeah, you give it away to him. You gave it to him. It belongs to him. He owns it. You surrendered it, and you got a good deal because you got eternal life out of it, right? You got a better deal than you could get anywhere in the world, but it belongs to who? So it doesn't belong to? So does this person belong to him? No. Because this person, he's saying, dude, if you're still alive, you can still hear this message. You better weep and howl. Why should this guy weep and howl, Clinton, if he's still alive? Because why should he be weeping and howling right now? Because he's still alive and he's still got a chance to do what? To repent. He's still got a chance to realize his mistake and get saved and say, dude, I'm giving him my life. I'm giving my life away to him. This person hasn't. They've kept their life. Come on, man. You rich, weep and howl the miseries that are coming upon you if you have used it all for you and not for him. He goes on, your riches have rotted. And specifically in the Greek, this section for riches that have rotted, he's talking about food, okay, sour cream. You invested your life in food and sour. It's rotten. It's gone. He, you've invested in, in your garments for you. And your clothes, and, get, and what, are, what happens to those clothes? They're what? Hey, Callaway, what happens to these clothes? They're moth-eaten, okay? Hey, so if you were living for him, would you buy food for yourself? Yes. Would all the food you buy be for yourself? No. You're like, oh, good, I'm a parent, I'm doing okay. Wait a minute, who else would you be buying food for? Hey, Al, who would you be buying food for if you're a believer? Others. Yeah. Who would you be buying clothes for? Do you buy them for yourself? Yeah, you buy them for yourself. Hopefully, nobody wants to see you naked much you think that. I'm just saying, you buy clothes for yourself and your families. But who else do you buy clothes for? Those that need it. Someone that would need it. So just because you got it, it doesn't mean it's for you. He said, your riches have rotted. Your clothes have become moth-eaten. Your gold and silver, that's your money, has become corroded or literally your money's become useless. Because let me ask you a question. When, when you're into buying stuff for yourself, when, when are you ever satisfied? Hey, Jack, how many guns you got? Oh, no, I don't want to say that. Somebody asked me, Vicky, I, I told you I had 25. I actually counted them, including two air guns. I have 22. Okay, 22, not 25. So I, ha I had to think about that. But do, hey, Linda, do I ever have enough guns? No, Tom, do we ever have enough guns? Hey, Jack, is there enough guns? No. Now I'm calling out. Uh, the government's watching who answers on this. So, Chris, I'm not even going to ask you if you have enough guns, all right? But I'm just saying, do, do we ever have enough? Do we ever have enough? If it's all about sat being satisfied with stuff, with things we buy, do we ever have enough? Chris, do we ever have enough? I was only caught. No, man, maybe. Now, me, I always say, okay, I don't have enough because I always do with people. So I do have a whole trailer full of title boards, but you get to go with me. I collect stuff so that I can bring you along with me. Now, that might be a good, and I've, I've gone through this with God. But this person here, it says, what you have has become useless. You're not using it for God's glory. It's for you, and it's never enough. It's like buying a shed, right? <laughs> Is a shed ever big enough? <laughs> Only for a little while, right, Chrissy? Yeah. So he said, their corrosion will be what? Evidence against you. You know what? A judgment when you stand before God and you say, yeah, man, I, I, gave, I, I did all this for God. He piles it all up there. He piles it all up there and he said, oh, yeah? Who was that for? 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 Well, did I tell you to buy that? Did I tell you to do that? And again, we know in Corinthians that the stuff that we didn't do for him out of the motivation of love is wood, hay, and stubble. What happens to wood, hay, and stubble when it gets set on fire? Yeah, dude. God pulls out that 
I still think there's got to be like a diesel flamethrower, you know, I don't even know if that's possible. Maybe you need to invent that. And, and, and a flamethrower that burns everything that we didn't do for him. And the stuff we did for him that, that James is saying we should be doing for him, that's gold, silver, and precious jewels. What happens to gold, silver, and precious jewels when you put fire on that? It becomes more pure and more beautiful. And that's the stuff we've done for him. But he said, you guys, this guy right here, I'm not talking about y'all. He said, you, in this guy in the scripture, he said, it's all useless. He said, it's going to be put to fire, man. It's evidence against you. God is going to pile it all up against you. The proof's in the pudding. He's going to say, all right, explain all this to me. It's against you. That's judgment. And he says, it will eat your flesh like fire. That's hell. If truly everything you've ever had, you used for you. If it was never for him. James, that's why he's preaching this. James, these were people that were in his church in Jerusalem that he loved. And now they're scattered all over the world. And he's saying, I, I'd love to see you in the flesh again. But I'm writing this book to give you guys tests to make sure that you've really got eternal life. Because I want to see you in heaven for sure. And if everything has always and ever been done for you. Dude, I want you to repent and get saved and give your life to Christ and find out what he really wants you to do with all your stuff. And it's a test. That's what James is doing. So again, if you're considered rich in this congregation, I'm not, I'm, it's not some class war. Because those of you who are rich here, you're dirt poor compared to other people in this world. And those of you who think you're dirt poor, you're like, oh, I'm safe. I ain't rich. No, dude, go to Haiti with us. You are filthy rich compared to many people in the world. You've got to see where the Holy Spirit wants to apply this in your life. And if you can honestly say, I've given my life to Christ, and what I do, I do for Christ, man, and, and that's where you're living, then you have assurance of your salvation. You're like, yes. <laughs> I'm not saying we don't do anything for ourselves. That's not what I'm saying. We do it all for him, and some of it's for us. God gives you 10 bucks, man. It might not be for you. I, I used to say, and again, I'm not talking about tithing or anything like that. And praise God, you guys have been faithful because during Corona, during all this, when all these churches, unfortunately, are going down, man, we have limited fixed expenses, but you guys have been faithful in giving and we have met budget. It's been phenomenal to watch God do that. And I praise God for your obedience in all that. So I'm not saying that, but what if God wanted driftwood to give a million dollars to some particular thing to do uh, do something for a million dollars for somebody else it was under god's direction and so god said i want driftwood to give a million dollars and i'm like well where are we gonna get a million dollars we're gonna get it from you and i told you and here what if god wanted to give a you use you to give a million dollars to driftwood if he gave you just one of you gary he just gave one of you gave you gary as you're out fishing, man, you pull in that monster snook, and there's a million-dollar bill. I don't know. I'm just saying there's a million bucks. Big chunks of gold, man. You cut it open, there's like a million dollars. And God says, yeah, that's supposed to get a church. How much of that million dollars could he count on you giving? All right, amen. Yeah. How many of y'all honestly would be like, I've never seen a million. Maybe God just wants 999. You know what I'm saying? Maybe just a little. All right. 10% of a million, maybe I'm going to catch 10 more snook, all right? But I'm just saying, if, if that's a good question I ask myself. It's like God gave me a chunk of money and said, this is all supposed to go for ministry. How much would I be wanting to keep? And I'm just being honest with me. How much would I, or could I be faithful enough to let a deal moody, guy God used to rock three continents for Christ in one of the great awakenings. He said, millions of dollars have touched my fingers, but not a single one stuck. Wow. That's why God used him. He went about that. So again, this guy here, your gold, your silver, your money, it's crowed, it's useless. In fact, it is evidence against you in the judgment if you're not trusting in Christ. He said, you have laid up treasure in when? In the last days. You have stored up wrath instead of riches is the way I've seen it. You, 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 instead of investing in eternity, you're investing in what? You're, dude, you're investing in sour cream. <laughs> 
You're, you're giving up a home for some sour cream that's going to rot and that's going to spoil. And I pray that's nobody here, but maybe God's giving you this illustration to be able to share with somebody who knows something needs to change in their life. Maybe it's for your neighbor. Maybe it's for your coworker. Maybe it's for you. I don't know. But I'm just saying, man. And so look what he says. You've laid up treasure in the last days. When are the last days? Well, the last days is the last time period. That's what he's saying. From the time Christ rose to the time he comes again, that is considered the end times. That is considered the last days. We are a couple thousand years into that. And, and buddy, we are seeing things happen in exponential form that we have never seen happen. But he said to his disciples, Joey, he said, when he was on this earth, did he know the time or date when that was going to happen? No. But now I believe he does as he's in heaven and he has all authority and all power and all everything. But the fact is, when they want to know when you were getting, he was coming, he said, man, it's going to get so bad. You think I have to come? And then all of a sudden, there's going to be peace and safety. How many of y'all think it's been bad enough for him to come and be like really cool if he came right now? Yeah. But he said, I'm not coming then. You're going to get some little peace and safety. Oh, man. Okay. World's back to normal. We can live the way we're living. Bam. He comes. Or he says, it's going to get so bad again. You're going to think I have to come. And peace and safety. It's going to get so bad. And then during one of those times of peace and safety, when we think our world's going back to normal, bam, he comes. He's coming like a thief in a night. Coming in a bl blink your eye real quick. Blink your eye. That's how quick he's coming. So if you're sitting back saying, well, dude, when I see the bodies raised and I see this coming, man, I'm, I'm, you know what? When I see all that happening, I'll give my life to Christ, dude. Go ahead. Blink your eye and see if you can give your life to Christ in that time. If you've got a desire to do it, do it right now. You've laid up treasure in the last days. You, it, it, do you understand how foolish that is? You're in the last time period. The best treasure you can lay up is eternal treasure. You, you, you have a privilege to live in these last days where the Holy Spirit brings conviction upon people. And you are just a mouthpiece. The one with all authority said, go into the world and make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right, Steve? Is Steve still here? No? And, oh, he's down there. Uh, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And, and he said, teaching them what, that, that, to observe all things I've taught you. And then in the very end, he says, oh, and I'm with you. You have a a, the opportunity to live in a time where the one with all authority is walking beside you saying, here's what I want you to do. And this is how you work up those eternal rewards. This is where, this is where you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But you, he's talking about this guy, and I hope it's none of you. All you're concerned about is laying up trash. You're buying sour cream, dude. <laughs> it's going to expire and be worth nothing. Hey, so Ashley... You know, I, I know I don't have a lot of investments, but when I die, this sour cream, I'm going to hang on to it now because there's still a villa, but when I die, whatever's left in here, I'm going to give this sour cream to you. Is that a good inheritance? <laughs> How would you like to inherit some, like, because uh, you don't know when I'm going to die. I could still live another 10 years, 20 years, whatever, but how would you like to inherit some 20-year-old sour cream, dude? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the investments we're leaving our family, man. Leave them a heritage, a godly heritage of how to invest in Christ and invest in eternity. But he said, you've laid up a treasure in the last days. You have stored up, you thought you were storing up treasure? You're storing up wrath because it's all going to be used against you in judgment because you didn't use it for my glory. So aren't you glad that that's not you? How many of y'all are glad that's not me? <laughs> how many of you say, ooh, I saw a little bit of me in that? However, the Holy Spirit wants to work, but he's really talking about the lost person who's not. It doesn't matter if they go to church or not. It doesn't matter if they're a pastor or not. It doesn't matter what they are, but he's talking about the person who has lived their life for themselves and done the religious thing because they were in his church. He said, man, if that's you, I want to see you in heaven. Give your life to Christ. Look at what he says. Now, behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud. Are they crying out against you? So the people that you defrauded, the people you took advantage of to, to build your riches. Hey, have, do any of you know anybody? Have you ever heard or seen anybody? Of course it's not you, but have you ever seen people take advantage of other people to build their riches? Aren't you glad our world's over that now and nobody's doing that? Oh my goodness. He, it just keeps piling on this guy. And he says, man, the laborers who you took advantage, you had money to pay them, but you, you could invest it in something else instead of paying them. Well, they were counting on that money to feed their family, and you didn't give it to them. They needed it, and you held it back so you could get richer. 
He said, man, you kept that back by fraud. Those are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. And when he used Lord of hosts, he's talking about the army defender, the one who defends them. How'd you like to have to go against the one defending them, which is God? He's warned them. That's why he says, howl and cry out for mercy right now if you see yourself as this person. He said, you have lived on the earth in what? Luxury and self-indulgence. No, I haven't. Not compared, to, not compared to my neighbor. Not compared to this person on this show. Not compared to the... Well, that's why I think you need to get out and see some things. Man, every single time. And again, I'm not talking about just Haiti. I'm talking anywhere. Anytime I get out, man, and, 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 and you know, when I come back from Haiti, you know what's so valuable about that for me? Is I come back and I realize how much stuff I have. And not in a good way. I realize how much stuff I have that's holding me back. Stuff I don't need. Stuff that, stuff that I'm having to take care of. And Al and I were joking. He, I rode with him on the way. And Al was like, yeah, I got another rattle in this truck I got to fix. And I'm like, yeah, that's a third world problem. He's like, I'm going to spend all next week in the, machine, in the shop getting them to analyze the computers and figure out what's wrong with my truck. And I'm like, yeah, that's what Pastor Weber's probably doing. <laughs> we laugh. And he's like, yeah, he'd be putting it together bail, with bailing wire, right? <laughs> he'd be putting it together with twist ties and zip ties. And it, it's, it's, it's first world problems. And again, there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. I'm not saying God doesn't want you to have that. That's not what I'm saying. But if you got the stuff, you better make sure what you have, God wants you to have. Otherwise, it's holding you down. And you, it's going to be evidence against you. And again, I'm not saying because, dude, our average, society, our average standard of living is much nicer than most people's. And in our society, we need that. You know? You got you to gotta have some things, all right? So... In this, he said, man, you have lived a life on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've lived your life in arrogant independence from God, believing that whatever you have is for you, and if there's anything left over, then I can give it away. You know what we call that in church world? Junk for Jesus. <laughs> oh, hey, we're going to collect some things to send to Haiti. We're going to collect some things to send to the mission. We're going to collect. What do you get? What do I get from you? Not you, but most churches. Not you guys, obviously. What do I get from most churches? Whatever you don't want. Whatever you don't use anymore. Whatever doesn't fit anymore. How about that? <laughs> whatever. We call it junk for Jesus. And you get a tax write-off. I'm just joking, but literally. I'm glad it's not you guys. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've lived your lives in erring independence from God. Spending the money, spending your riches on whatever you feel like you need to as opposed to what God wants you to spend it on. And again, I'm not accusing anyone. If anything, there's a giant mirror right in front of me. I've had to deal with this message for four weeks in my heart, and I'm having to deal with it again. And then when I listen to it, to kind of listen to, you ever listen to yourself on, on a recorded message, Clayton? It's embarrassing, isn't it? It's one of the most humbling things you can ever do. You're like, God, did I really say that? Did I say things that much? And Terry's like, yeah, I heard you say it at least twice. <laughs> no, but, yeah. But, but when I listen to it again, I look at the outline. I've got to apply this first. Look what he said after that. I said, you have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. Again, look at, you know what that really means? It means you have been feeding on riches your whole life, but you're starving to death. Feeding on riches, but starving to death, man. You've been living off Hershey bars, dude. <laughs> hey, Doc, what, what happens when people live off Hershey bars? <laughs> no, not good things at all. <laughs> You've got to have some substance, man. And so that's what he says about this person. He said, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person, meaning you've done whatever it took to get where you're at right now, whoever you had to step on, whatever you had to do. And he does not resist you couple reasons for that. One, sometimes the poor guy can't resist the guy stepping on him. How many of y'all been in that position where people are doing stuff and you just can't resist it? You don't have the resources to resist it. Isn't that what's happening in Congress? We do the right thing and we can't stop anything. We can't change anything. Dude, the power and the money has always controlled things and it's always going to until Christ comes back on this planet that is under Satan's control, that this is his system. 
That's what's going to be the beauty about living in heaven in perfect righteousness forever and ever where everything is really, truly perfect. Man, he doesn't resist you. And so here's the thing. When I read about all the things that are going wrong in this world and all the rich and powerful, you know, history proves you can read the Old Testament and see they have a saying that war is a game of the rich to basically redistribute income. It's always been that. Rich people start wars, filthy rich. Nobody like that's in here. Start wars to, so they can redistribute income. And they don't care if hundreds of thousands of people die. You guys understand that's part of the world system? It's there. They start things and they don't care if people die. They don't care if babies die. They don't care if old people die. They don't care because it's going to profit them in riches. And this is who James is talking to in this passage. He said, they don't resist you because guess what? You recruit them and there they are. You recruit, you know, here it is. But now God comes to the good part. So if you're like, golly, why did I come here and get beat up today and all that? Now, I'm going to tell you the good part here in a minute. Because if any of this stuck to you and it's convicting, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not me because I'm, I'm preaching to me on this, but I know I'm saved. I know that as best I can, I'm using what I have for God's glory and I'm working on that. But the good part comes now. So he's saying, you know what? For those of you who have ever been oppressed by the rich, any of those that ever have just stood up for, for what was right, he says, he said, You're, other people's riches are going to let you down, but Christ's righteousness will lift you up. And when we get lifted up by Christ's righteousness eternally, it's going to be forever, but it'll lift you up now because God wants to do things so supernatural that only he can get blamed. So look what this says in the last few passages. Be What? Ooh, how many of y'all like those words? <laughs> be patient. Is that what we want right now? Oh, my goodness. Be patient. Oh, and, uh, and, and there's, there's a couple of different Greek words for patience, but this particular word means stay when you want to run. Anybody ever want to just run and escape? And, and, and God just saying, nope, stay. Nope, stay. How many of y'all are glad you did stay? I wouldn't be pastor in this church with you awesome folks if we would have ran when I wanted to run. <laughs> Granted, he broke my leg so I couldn't run, but I'm just saying, and I praise him for that. But there's patience, which is a fruit of what? The spirit. So it's not something you can muster up in your own strength. Your body wants to run. Your flesh wants to run. You want to run to a better situation, a better, a better place, a, a better job, a better family, a better all kinds of whatever. But be patient, God is saying. James is saying uh, to, to them through God, or God is saying through James, be patient, therefore, brothers, until how long? How long are we supposed to be patient for? The coming of the Lord. <laughs> so that either means you come to him because <laughs> your time has expired like sour cream or you've come to him or he comes to you. Either way, in compared to eternity, how long really are you here compared to eternity? Bob, you're an old dude, right? I know you and I can say that, man. I love you and he doesn't care. He, can, he finds pride in being an old dude, don't you? A lot of people in the world don't get to live as long as you. How old are you? Dude, you look good for 71, man. But compare, and you've been here a while, right? 71's a lot of years. You've seen a lot of things happen, just even in your own body, right? Yeah, I'm just messing but yeah. 71 years, man, is a long time. Compared to eternity, how long is that? Dude, it's nothing. It's nothing. So he says, be patient until when? You go to meet Jesus or he comes and meets you, one. Until the coming of the Lord. He's really talking about the Lord coming back. Be patient. Stay with God in this. That's why we don't see supernatural things so often is because we run. We run to where we think the grass is greener. We work it out. We, we go to plan B instead of staying with plan A, which is what God wants. So often we move, we mess things up before God has a chance to let it get so messed up that when he does it, who gets the glory, Ryan? Yeah. You ever take matters in your own hands and try to fix things in your own time and Ryan? Yeah, well, you need to fix that because none of the rest of us do that. I'm just saying, no. <laughs> yeah, we all do that. Stay. Man, I'm thinking of the verse in, in Hebrews. Without faith, help me out, guys. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. But we got to believe that what? 
he is who he says he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him how many of y'all ever had impossible situation thrown in your life you might even have one now and that impossible situation so according to that verse who threw that impossible situation in your life and why did he throw it in your life is it to make you miserable no it's giving you an opportunity to please him you just got to wait long enough, and that's what he's waiting for. People who believe that he is who he says he is, and in the right time, Ryan, you got some, I keep picking on you back there because I just see your face, man. You're trying to figure out college, all these, what's going on in life, man? And you got anything figured out yet? Good. That's awesome. And, and, and the longer it takes to figure it all out, but the closer you walk with him, when it actually happens, who gets all the glory? And who is pleased? He is. And you got something nobody can take away from you then, bro. You go work it out on your own and make it happen, dude. What do you got? You got what everybody else has. That's kind of less than stellar, isn't it? I think Jesus said it's lukewarm. It makes him want to vomit. I'm just saying. Isn't it awesome when you stick with it and you got a story now? You know? Jack, you're up in the hunting stand, dude. And it's like, yeah, I'm going you know, to leave. But then you stay and all of a sudden that buck walks by. You got a story now, dude, I was going to leave. And then, but man, spiritual stories are the same way. You, I was going to leave. I was going to quit. I was going to, and, and you keep staying with God. And then when God does it, man, what a joyous, awesome thing it is. Man, that's the story of my marriage with my wife, dude. <laughs> I am so glad she waited. I am so glad that all the other guys were scared to ask the senior pastor to ta take her out. She might have gotten married to somebody else. And man, I'd have never had a wife like her for 31 years like I have now. What an awesome story. I didn't know she was available. She didn't know I was. They asked, the, the, she kept asking the pastor's wife, where is this guy? Well, he's probably in the bar across the street getting drunk. Guess where I was? I wasn't saved yet. I was in that, and I got saved. And man, I just, everything that I've got that's worth anything, God has given me. And he doesn't always do it instantly. Sometimes he does. But man, what an awesome thing when you can attribute it all to God. If God did not blind my wife and make her marry me when she did, she, if she knew everything about me, she'd have never married me. <laughs> now, there's going to be eternal rewards because she's put up with that for a long time, but God will make it worth it, honey. I'm trying, but God will. <laughs> it says be patient, man. Be patient. If God's got you somewhere, sit there. What, what else you got to do? Go get yourself in trouble trying to create your own situation? And then be crying out, oh, dear God, get me out of this one, you know? No, stay there. Just wait on him. Get closer to him. The Hebrew word wait. Oh, my goodness. What an awesome word. Dude, Bob, you know what? I could pull one of these hairs out right now. Bam. All right, so I got one of his hairs right there. I got one. See it? But, dude, if I, and, and if I were to grab all of them and try to pull them out, it'd be a lot more difficult, wouldn't it? Because they're all, you know, like yours... You, if we twist this all together, I could probably even lift her up by this, couldn't I? It, because there's strength in being braided together and being all, all brought together like that. The Hebrew word for weight means to twist yourself around God. When he says weight in the Old Testament, when he says wait on the Lord, it's not just sitting there doing nothing. It's wrapping yourself around God. And God's like, not like another hair, God's like a tug-of-war rope, dude. If you had a that little hair wrapped around a tug-of-war rope, would I be able to yank any of them out? No. But when it's just your little, like, you know, strength, you can get yanked out all the time. Sorry, thank you guys for allowing me to do that and not punching me. Because <laughs> I was very vulnerable like that, you know. So, <laughs> But listen, wrap yourself around the Lord while you're waiting. Get closer and closer and closer so that when he says to move, when he says to do something, when he's providing, you don't miss anything. You know when you're going to miss it? You're going to miss it when you go take matters in your own hands and get busy doing your own thing. Then you're going to miss what he's got for you. So be patient, he says, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. So we don't get to quit yet. And look at this. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? Man, if you were to go plant a watermelon seed. Anybody like watermelon, man? Nate, you like watermelon? Plant a watermelon seed. Man, I planted one. I threw one out there. And you know what? I don't have a watermelon. I threw it out yesterday. And I looked last night and there was no watermelon. 
I looked this morning and there's no watermelon. I quit. <laughs> it's not worth it. But seriously, what does the farmer have to do? He has to wait. And, and if I really want to take care of it, I got to make sure the squirrels can't get in once it all starts going. I have to nurture it as it grows. And one day I get the harvest. I'm not doing nothing while I'm waiting. That's not the farmer doesn't do just sit on his thumbs and wait. The farmer's doing whatever he can do while it's while he's waiting. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. He works even when the crop can't be seen. You don't think that's true? Go walk next to a farmer. Go sit next to a farmer. And you see, they don't how often do they get to sleep? <laughs> how often do they get to do it? They're dude, they're farming when they're farming. And he works even when the crop can't be seen, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. So look at the early rains are in October in, in Israel. They were in October that would soften the ground, and then the late rains in April would mature the crop. But he had to be patient and wait for those. And who's responsible for the rains? God. So he's even kind of being patient, isn't it? Isn't that what frustrates us, being patient and waiting when we can't do anything, Fernanda? We're, we're sitting there and we can't take control and make it happen. And it's in the hands of somebody else. Vicki, how you like that? <laughs> no. What can I do to make this happen? Well, what you can do is make a mess. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what I do. We got to wait. Wrap ourselves around God and then our trust in him builds. It grows. It thrives. And then we can wait some more. What an awesome thing when the world doesn't make us impatient. And they don't have that ability to make us impatient anymore. Don't, didn't we just win a victory? <laughs> so he said, man, that far, that's what the farmer's doing. And James said, wait the same way. He said, you also, you also be patient. Establish. What does it mean to establish something? Anybody? What does it mean to establish? Hey, I haven't picked on you all day, Tom. Not Tom back here, but Tom. Did you get some waves last week? Where'd you surf at Monday. Oh, you're not telling me a secret spot, huh? Around here, it's, it was fun Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, Tom, what would you say it means to establish something? Yeah, start it in, in anybody else I add to establish? So you start it. You root it. You develop it. Okay, establish, yeah. So you start it. You what? Make it firm. Yeah, you start it. You root it. You, you, you shore it up. You make it firm. And, and is, is something established going to blow away real easy? No. You know, blows away real easy is when we don't establish it. We just give something a shot and we don't stick with it. And so he says, look at this. You be patient. Establish your heart. In other words, you know, in the, fruit, in the, in the armor of God, uh, when he says, don't stand against, you know, so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. What is the very first thing he says is the armor of God? Put on the what? breastplate of right uh oh no no that's not what he says that's the second one the first one i i, I tricked y'all by doing that but um he said i'll give you a hint they wore dresses and they had a belt and they would tuck their dress up underneath their belt it's a word we don't use you guys remember he says gird your loins gird your loins with the truth zane did you gird your loins today yeah <laughs> i don't even want to i don't want to envision zane girding his loins right now but Here's what girding your loins was. Listen, this is coming straight from the Holy Spirit, I promise, man. <laughs> At least that's what I'm saying. Listen, girding your loins is the first part of putting on the armor of God. And what they did, the Roman soldiers would wear a dress, kind of, all right? Um, we don't really wear dresses too much, but uh, in a dress, Terry, if you had a dress on, you know, down to below your knees, how well could you fight in that dress? How well could you run? It, without it being girded, dude, you're getting your tail kicked. I'm just saying with guys who already have them girded. So they would have a, a sash, like a leather sash with a belt. It was kind of like their gun belt. They had all their tools on it. And when they put that belt on, they would take the corners of their tunic dress and pull them up underneath. So now their dress was up here because they didn't really care what was going on after that. But I'm just saying, <coughs> I'll have to see what they wore under it. But the Bible doesn't really speak to that. But they would gird their loins so that now they were unrestricted and they could run and they could fight. But when you, if you've got somebody, hey, Bob, you, 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 you've got an a interesting life in the past, right? You know, not, you know, you didn't just like kind of grow up in church and all that. If somebody walks up to you outside and they go, ah, what, what do you do? 
Yeah, you're, you know, they pull a knife on you. Well, if you got a knife, you pull it. Well, I'm just saying is that when somebody puts their fists up to you, what does that mean? That means they want to fight. When you gird your loins with the truth, that's the first part of the armor of God, you put that, that strap on with your sword, with everything, you are making the commitment that day that you are going to live by the truth. The armor of God starts with the commitment. You say, I'm, you know what? I'm fighting. First thing you do, I'm putting the armor on. I'm fighting for God today. I'm going to fight to live for God today. I'm going to do it God's way. If you don't make the commitment, are you going to do it, Clayton? No, it starts with a commitment. Then we put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the breastplate covered your heart. How many of y'all ever followed your heart and it was a messed up thing? Yeah. It guard, how many of y'all need your heart guarded? Yeah, by the blessed breastplate of righteousness. No matter what my heart wants, I'm going to do the righteous thing. And then it covered your guts. Anybody ever follow your gut? Oh, man. Or that's your emotions. Anybody ever let your emotions drag you around? Yeah. The breastplate protected your heart and your emotions. So not, the first thing you did is you made a commitment to live by the truth. Second thing is you actually live by the truth. And that's what we're talking about here. So he said, man, establish your heart. Establish, put on that armor of God. Start by making the commitment. No matter what my emotions feel, no matter what my mind says, no matter what my circumstances are, I'm going to live by the truth today. Establish your heart, because if your heart's not established, you're going to do whatever your heart wants to do. And Jeremiah said, your heart's wicked, more deceitful and evil than anything. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So, man, God's, God's not far away. How long before Jesus comes back? Or let me ask you a question. How many of y'all think you got another 50 years on this planet? Just raise your hand if you just guessing you got a fifth, another 50. Good, yeah, y'all are young. You can think that. How many, of y'all, how many of y'all who raise your hand think you got another 75 years? Or 70 years? And 70 years is nothing compared to... How many of y'all know you got probably less than 20? 25? How about 30? We talk about this in small groups sometimes. Start thinking about that. Start thinking about that, how long it's going to, it's not going to be long. The Lord is at, come in, the Lord is at hand. Don't waste the amount of time you have for him. We're almost done. So he says, here's what you don't do. Don't grumble against each other. Hey, Clayton, it, uh, Clinton, that's it. Have I been calling you Clayton all day? Clinton. Okay, Clinton. Dude, all right, my Pentecostal brother and non-Pentecostal brother, all right? But we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, isn't it? What if we spent all our time fighting about our theology? Guess what the world would see? They would see us fighting. Would they ever see the gospel? Can you and I work together to share the gospel to this world? Even in spite of some differences in theology? Yeah, absolutely, and that's what we're called to do. And if as churches, all we're doing is fighting with each other over theology, like you said, that's probably where you got it all from, you know. But I'm just saying, is that, I'm just saying, man, is that, He's saying, believers, don't be fighting. Man, if you're a believer, you're a believer because you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the people need that gospel and work together. He said, don't be grumbling against each other. And how many of y'all seen some stupid things people have grumbled about in church? You ever been in a church where people grumble about stuff? Well, that air conditioning ain't quite right. <laughs> Dude, I was at my first church. The old deacon, oh, what was that dude's name? Mr. Mixon. He, I came to church one day, and on the thermostat, he had screwed a locking case on the thermostat, and only he had the combination. <laughs> it was like, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I've seen arguments over the color of the furniture, over the paint, over the whatever. And it's like, he said, guys, if you're believers, you're here to share the gospel. Don't grumble against each other so that Jesus don't have to judge you. The judge is standing at the door. Jesus is standing at the door, and in the last church in Revelation, he's knocking on the door trying to get in his own church because the whole church is grumbling over stuff that's insignificant instead of making disciples with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah. He said, Jesus is standing at the door going, oh, kids. All right, when y'all quit fighting, hey, you ever do that with your kids? You know that it ain't worth coming in and trying to break it up yet because it ain't done? <laughs> Chrissy, you're just standing at the door going, all right. As soon as I can get a word in edgewise, I'm breaking it up. And I'm, that's Jesus standing at the door watching his church fight and saying, get back to doing what you're supposed to be doing. You live and see life from my perspective so you can help others do that with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he said, man, he's standing. So guys, don't be grumbling against each other in this. 
And he says, as an example of suffering, do you think you're suffering because it's too hot in church? It's not hot enough. Nobody's doing this and that and whatever. He said, man, as an example of suffering patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast, the ones who didn't give up in spite of the fact, Isaiah, how did he die? Tradition says, how did Isaiah die? What did they do? He was sawed in half, bro. He was sawed in half. So until that happens, y'all just chill, all right? Apostle John, before he got thrown on the Isle of Patmos and God blessed him in a one-man worship service where he wrote the book of Revelation, they dipped him in boiling oil, cooking oil, to kill this old man. And it didn't kill him. They pulled him out and threw him on an island to die. He had a one-man worship service and wrote the book of Revelation, man. <laughs> when you get stuff like that, start complaining, all right? That he's saying to these guys, he's saying, man, consider these guys. What a privilege it was to suffer for Christ. Because, man, the honor will be even greater when you're there with him and be, man, well done, faithful servant. They tried to saw. You didn't go down until you got sawed all the way in half, man. Way to go. <laughs> you, boiling oil didn't even change you. And all the different things of persecution. He said, you've heard of the steadfastness of Job. You've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. How many of y'all would read the first few chapters of Job and consider the Lord compassionate and merciful towards Job? He took away all his houses, all his possessions, all God killed all your kids off. How many of y'all get bitter and consider the Lord being merciful and compassionate? He's saying here, the Lord is merciful and compassionate in this. And again, the illustration I prayed with, he put in my heart when I was praying, is here. Jack, if someone comes at you with a knife, man, and, and you, you think they're ready to do bad, what are you going to do? Protect yourself, yeah. And you're going to fight as hard as you can and not let that knife touch you. Because they're doing, they have bad intentions for you, and you're going to fight. And if you do get cut, you're going to just, well, I did the best I could, right? But what if you needed desperate surgery right now? What if you had an appendix breaking inside you, and Doc couldn't squeeze it out of you, man, through some tweaking, you know? You do appendixes, bro? No, that's after, okay. But I'm just saying, what if you needed surgery? Don't you then volunteer to go in the hospital and you lay down on the table and you say, yeah, break the knife out. But just give me a little sedative first, all right, please? I'm just saying. You welcome the knife if the knife is there for good. The only way you're going to welcome God bringing what most people consider misery and not mercy and all of that stuff is if you understand what God's trying to do in your life. When you understand that it is for your good and his glory, you welcome him like a surgeon instead of fight him off like an attacker. I hope that sinks into somebody today because that's one of the things that's been sinking into me since I heard it. And so he says, man, you've considered, you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord was compassionate and merciful to Job. That's the last way I would describe him to Job until I saw it from that perspective. But if he's going to make improvements, man, how much more merciful and beautiful can he be towards us? But above all, my brothers, don't swear by either heaven or by earth or any other oath. Let your yes be yes, your no's be no, that you may not fall under condemnation. And what he's saying in this, we take this verse by itself. Oh, we don't sign loans. We don't, you know, it goes in context with here. And what he's really saying is, hey, if I have to go back up alone with some collateral, what does that mean? They don't trust me to do what? To pay it. In case you don't pay it, we're going to take your house. Honey, I'm really sorry about the sour cream. And you don't even eat sour cream, but dude, this stuff's good. No, the, yeah, you have collateral because they don't, in case. And so he's saying, you know, don't back up your yes and no with, oh, I swear to God. The Pharisees and the, the religious people of that day had binding contracts and non-binding. And if they used the name of God, then it was a binding contract if they didn't use the name of God. How many of y'all ever, when you were little, crossed your fingers when you made a statement? Any of you crossed your fingers? Emily, did you ever do that? Oh, it didn't count because I had my fingers crossed. That is what the, the religious people of that day did when they, did, they snuck an oath in without using the name of God. It was like, oh, it's not really binding. You didn't hear me say God's name in this. But if they used God's name, then it was binding. He changed is like, dude, what? If you're a Christian, you're living for God, who do you represent when you say something? God. Do you really need to add his name? Do you really need to? No. Dude, just what you say since you represent God, do it. Just live that kind of lifestyle. 
And that's what he said. That's why this part is included in this section here. All right. So Christ's righteousness trumps anyone's riches. Don't ever compromise Christ's righteousness to gain someone else's riches. Because, dude, they're not going to be worth it. They're going to fly away like wings of eagles. Those riches are going to cost you more than you ever thought they would cost you. Anyone's riches will let you down because in the end, they're going to be used as evidence against you if you had to compromise your Christianity to get them. And instead, Christ's righteousness will lift you up. Even if you have to be martyred, <laughs> you're like, well, that sounds good. Well, yeah, if you die, where, where are you going to immediately be? Jason, you die, where are you going to be? Immediately. Is that a bad deal? No. Not if you don't love this world. But if you love this world, dude, it's like, couldn't think of anything more horrible. Who's going to take care of my kid? Who's going to, you know what? If you die, who makes that decision? Yeah. If it's your time to go, there ain't no army in the world that's going to protect you. And if it ain't your time to go, there ain't no army in the world to take you out. It's God's decision. But you're like, but they can't live without me. They, well, God must think they can. Otherwise, he wouldn't take you. That ain't your decision. You're living for him, and he gets to choose what's going on when, when things are going on. And yeah, people grieve and whatever, and that's part of it. But we got to understand that's God's gig. Anyone's riches are going to let you down, but Christ's righteousness will lift you up. Do what Christ says. Now, I'm speaking real big because I'm up here, but God's going to instantly give me applications in my life. Since this is not your home, trust in Christ's righteousness and invest in eternity. And here's all I want you to remember. I gave you a bunch of words today, didn't I? Destiny, I gave you all a ton of words, didn't I? And I always ask you when I see you leaving, I'm like, hey, what stuck out to you and all this? More than anything, I want this to stick out. Don't invest in stuff with what? You selling your soul for this world and missing eternity is way more foolish than me hawking my house to buy some sour cream. <laughs> and this is pretty foolish, isn't it? Even as a believer, man... Spurgeon made a comment. I wish I would have wrote down the, the thing. It's on one of my Facebook pages, but Spurgeon made a comment. He said, man, when I actually step into glory and I see how awesome God is, I am going to be so embarrassed at the times that I cowered and didn't believe in him. <laughs> the time that I, that I sucked up to somebody else other than him. The times that I compromised, I am going to be so embarrassed when I see how awesome he is. And that's why we need to see who God is. He's worth it all. Don't invest in stuff with expiration dates. And if you do it all for him, there's no expiration date. Let's pray. Father, I pray that there is nobody here that has not given their life to you. I pray if your Holy Spirit has revealed that to somebody, that if that, they might be in that situation, that today they would nail that down. And today they would truly surrender everything they know about themselves to everything they know about you. I pray for non-believers as well as believers that you would give us the desire and the ability to gird our loins with the truth, to make the decision we're going to live for the truth without compromise. And we are going to follow you. And we will count on your spirit giving us patience to be able to wait for you to do things so supernatural that only you could get blamed. Father, that's our prayer. So help us fight off the flesh that so wants to take control. To fight off the flesh that thinks the grass is greener somewhere else. Help us to be patient. Help us to stay firm and establish our hearts instead of run. Father, I don't know what everyone's going through. But Father, I know this is what you wanted me to preach today. This is not words from me. I pray they wouldn't have heard me, that they heard you and you spoke to their hearts. I pray, Father, that um, in the short period of time we have left, that we would truly represent you, that people would see a faith, that we have a faith in, in a God that's worth having a faith for, a God we have no clue what's next except heaven. But while we're here, we have no idea what's next, but we don't care because you're in charge. Help us not live for us, but to live for you. And I pray you'd speak to each of us about this. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.